Well, good morning, everybody, again. Um, I just want to say thank you so much to um, Dr. Katie Ann and the choir for singing those songs. Um, I have really loved being able to choose songs for the sermon series, right? We, we took requests, and so we got lists, but we got so many, um, like, suggestions for songs that it's been so fun to go through them. And some of the songs that we have chosen are quite difficult. Um, and so I know that that is true for this, right, especially um, the, the Sam Cook song. And so thank you guys for learning that and being so willing um, to, to do that this morning. I'm really grateful. Um, so I don't know about you and what your weekend has been like, but mine has been super fun and super full. Um, so we, this weekend, married off my little sister. And so that was super, super fun. Um, and one of my most favorite moments of this weekend, right? There were a lot of things that we did and a lot of fun stuff, you, you know, when you have so many people around and gathered together. Um, but one of my favorite moments was on my sister's wedding day. It was just her and me, and we were hanging out in the morning just drinking coffee kind of before everything kicked off for the day. And we were sitting there, and she was reading me the vows that she had written. And then she was just talking about how she felt. And she was talking about how loved she felt. And loved, you know, by the man she was about to marry, but also, you know, she was talking about how she felt just really loved by God and then surrounded by all of these people who were coming in to see her and to support her and stuff. And I did this thing with her where I was trying to be really like polite, but also like I interrupted her a little because she would say stuff and I'd be like, that'll preach right there. And she was like talking, I was like, no, no, that sentence, like that's the gospel in one sentence that you just said. Okay, keep going. And like she was going, and it was like the way that she was describing like the goodness of God in her life and the way that God's story was showing up in her own story was so beautiful and so profound, right? And I, I just couldn't stop thinking about that this weekend. Um, and we talked something similar about this in uh, my life group. So I lead a life group on Tuesday nights for young women. If you are a young woman looking for a life group, we'd love to have you join us. Um, but we're talking about prayer right now. And so we watched this video on Tuesday. And one of the images that was um, taught about, it was of Pete Grigg was the, the um, man who was teaching. And he had these images that, again, I keep popping in my brain. And so I wanted us to think about that um, some this morning. And he was talking about prayer and in the context of prayer, um, this idea of looking through a telescope, right? And he was saying, you know, when you look through a telescope, it, we, I think we have a picture. A telescope is, you've probably used one of these, right? Just a, it's an aid to look at the stars or in the sky. And he said, you know, if you use a telescope or you look up at the sky and you see all the stars or planets, he said, nobody ever does that and then thinks, wow, I'm really awesome. You know, it was like this. No, when you look up and you see the expanse of the stars and the sky and all of this, you are in awe. And there is some kind of wonder that bubbles up within you. And, and it just like produces awe. So I haven't looked through a telescope this week, but I have been looking at other pictures. I don't know if you have seen some of the images that came out this week. We have one right here. Um, and so this is from um, like the, the newest sort of telescope. It's called the James Webb Space Telescope, and um, they 
they're showing these images of outer space. This is the deepest that we have ever gotten pictures of in outer space. And there are a number of them, right? And so there's this space dust in the front, and then there's just tons of galaxies that they had pictures of. And the way that they described it in some of the articles that I read is they said, if you were to hold a grain of sand in your hand and hold it at arm's length, that's the size of the slice that you would be looking at in the vast universe. And we're looking at thousands of galaxies. It was just mind-boggling and awe-inspiring. And I just kept thinking about, like, you know, the, the verses in Psalm where it's talking about, like, just the, the wonder of God, right? The heavens proclaiming God's glory in seeing all of these images. And so I've been thinking about the, the contrast between that, the bigness of God, right, who he is, and the big story that God is writing. And if there were like a continuum or a spectrum, if that was on one end of it, right, this idea of a telescope, on the other end of that spectrum might be a microscope, Right? It might be actually, rather than looking up and outward, it would be turning inward, where we might look at our own lives. And instead of looking at the grand story that God is writing, we would look at our own story and how that fits in the grand story that God is writing. And so I've been thinking about that so much um, this, this week after, after um, our life group. And this morning, I want us to look at something in kind of a similar way, right? The bigness and the smallness of what God does and the ways that the, the picture or the vision of what God is doing in our lives or in the world can show up. And so we're going to do that by um, looking at a story together. Um, I want us to read from the Gospel of Luke. And um, this is a story of, of Jesus. And so we'll read that together, starting in Luke chapter 4. So this is Jesus. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son, they asked? And Jesus said to them, surely you will quote this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself. And you will tell me, do here in your hometown what we've heard you did in Capernaum. Truly, I tell you, he continued, no prophet is accepted in hometown. I assure you that there were many widows. Israel in Elijah's time, when the sky was shut for three and a half years, and there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. And there were many in Israel with leprosy at the time of Elisha, the prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. And all of the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove Jesus out of town, and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. 
Okay, so in this story, Jesus is standing at the front of the synagogue, and he's reading this scroll right from Isaiah. And what he's doing in that is he is describing the purpose of his ministry. He's giving a picture or a vision of what his ministry is going to look like. And so he's talking about, you know, proclaiming good news to the poor. And he's talking about um, bringing freedom to the oppressed, right? This is a picture of what Jesus' ministry was about. Um, and as he was doing that, right, the, the people were thrilled. It said that they, they spoke well of him and marveled at his words, Right? This was the description of a life that the people actually wanted. This was something that, that they were excited about happening. They wanted to live in a society where there weren't people who were oppressed. They wanted to live in a society where people were healed. Right? If the blind were receiving sight, that means that both physically and figuratively, that people would really see each other. And this was something that excited the people. And so they were, they were delighted at Jesus' words, and they were speaking well of him. But then they shifted from being happy to being upset. And the thing that seemed to trigger their real anger was when Jesus was talking about the prophets. And he talked about Elijah and Elisha. And when he was talking about these prophets, he was telling them that essentially um, that the people of, of the people of Israel, when the prophets came, they rejected the, the word of the prophets, right? So, so not only Elijah and Elisha, but prophets would come and they would tell people what they had to do. And they'd essentially say, this is what God's will looks like. So you should do these things or you should stop doing these things. And this is the way that you need to follow the Lord. And the people would reject that. And so when Jesus is standing up there and he's reading this picture of the future and the people are excited, then he, he is essentially, by bringing up Elijah and Elisha, is saying, what the, what the people did in response to the prophets is what you are doing to me, right? That you are rejecting me in the same way that the people have rejected the prophets. And the, the people were furious with Jesus, right? They were very upset that Jesus um, would, would say these things to them, right? But but the thing is, right, Jesus, when he was reading the scroll, like, it wasn't just supposed to be a service announcement, right? Jesus, when he was reading it, it wasn't like he was declaring, like, hey, there's some problems here, and I've come to fix it, and everybody just sit tight, no need to do anything, I'm going to take care of it all, don't change a thing, Right? That's not what was happening when Jesus was reading the scroll. Because when Jesus came, he brought with him a whole new way of living. He brought a whole new set of ideas and how to live and how to respond in the world. And so when he was standing up there and saying, hey, I have been anointed for this thing, right? This is what the vision of this ministry looks like. Also included with that was the following of the people behind him, right? Every time that Jesus was calling someone, he would say, hey, come and follow me, right? When he was um, calling his disciples, that's what he would do. And when he went around to the places and, and he was healing people and doing miracles, when he was showing compassion or mercy, very often Jesus would say something like, now go and do likewise, 
right? So it was not just this idea that Jesus had come and that nothing else was going to change. It was the same thing as it was earlier, where there was this kind of like invitation, not only to approve of and appreciate this big kind of telescope far away picture of what God was doing, but there was with that an inward turning of saying, hey, what does this look like for me? What does it look like for me to actually be a part of this thing that God is doing? And the people, um, the people when they heard that, decided that they didn't want that. And so they were rejecting what Jesus was offering to them. And they were, um, they were not super thrilled with what he was saying. In fact, they wanted to throw him off of the cliff, right? Because they wanted to not only destroy the message, they wanted to destroy him with it because they really were not, um, were not excited. Okay, so today we are doing this um, sermon series, which we mentioned, the Summer Songs. And we, today I chose two songs, actually, not just one. And that's because, really, these two songs, I thought, really reminded me of this um, scripture in, um, in Luke 4 that we were just reading together. And I think, you know, the, the two songs that we just listened to, the first was A Change is Gonna Come by Sam Cooke, and the second is What a Wonderful World by Bob Thiel and George David Weiss. And, you know, the, the first one um, that I want to talk about is What a Wonderful World, which we just listened to. And this song, um, it was written in 1967, and it was um, one of the guys who wrote this, Bob Thiel, um, wrote a memoir. And in his memoir, he said that when they wrote this song, they wrote it specifically hoping that Louis Armstrong would sing the song. And it was interesting because they were writing this song in the 60s, and there was a, a real um, political and racial unrest that was happening at the time. And so when they were writing this song, What a Wonderful World, they really were hoping that Louis Armstrong would sing it because they thought that he would be a great bridge because he had um, fans that were white and fans that were black. And they wanted to write this song, and they were hoping to quiet some of the racial unrest that was happening at the time through music. And they thought that this would be a really good way to do that, to sort of present this picture picture of a beautiful world that could exist um, with everyone together. And so, so that's, that's what they did, right? And, and they wrote it in 1967. It was released in 1968. And that was the year when, if you, if you um, think back, there were actually so many race riots that were happening at the time. There were curfews in over 100 cities in the country because of all of the riots that were happening. And that's when this song, What a Wonderful World, was released. And so I want us to look at the words of this song and then to think about what the message is that they were trying to say. So it starts off, um, right, well, not just starts off, the whole thing is full of optimism, right, and this celebration of life. And it says, I see trees of green and red roses too. I see them bloom for me and you, and I think to myself, what a wonderful world. I see skies of blue and clouds of white, the bright blessed day and the dark sacred night, and I think to myself, what a wonderful world. The colors of the rainbow, so pretty in the sky, are also on the faces of the people going by. I see friends shaking hands saying, how do you do? And they're really saying, I love you. I hear babies cry and I watch them grow. 
they'll learn much more than I'll ever know. And I think to myself, what a wonderful world. Yes, I think to myself, what a wonderful world. So sometimes when we first hear that song, right, we might just think of the physical world that it's describing, right? The colors of, of the sky and of the clouds and of the roses. Um, but it's also describing um, the, the colors of the rainbows that it says that are so pretty in the sky that those are the colors of the faces of the people walking by. So there are different colors of faces and different shades of people walking by. And those different colors of people are shaking hands. And as they're shaking hands with each other, he says what they're really saying is, I love you. So all of these different colors of the rainbow exchanging these messages of I love you that are walking in the streets and passing each other by. So this song is not a description of what is actually happening Right, because we know the backdrop of the, the, um, the riots and the unrest that are happening. But what they're doing is they are presenting a vision of what could be. Right? Vision is a, a preferred picture of the future. And so they're writing this song of saying, hey, here is something that could be a vision of, of the way that we could live our lives together. Um, and so they, they were not only talking about the vision of what might be now, but also of what could be. They were talking about the babies, right? The babies that they cry. And Louis Armstrong was actually someone who was quite vocal um, in, in talking about race and issues of race. And so to have this black man who was vocal about issues of race singing a song that was written by white men coming together to try to do this, and then they were talking about the babies who in the future will know much more than I ever know is, is the lyric of it is this hope, right, of this kind of eternal um, optimism of moving forward that our, our kids are going to have a better experience than we have had. And so this really beautiful image of what could be, of what life could look like, this wonderful world that we are all a part of, and singing it in this really optimistic and beautiful, remarkable song. Um, there was another song that was written a few years earlier than that, and that's the other one uh, by Sam Cooke that we listened to, um, A Change is Gonna Come. And like What a Wonderful World, uh, this song was written in response to racial experiences that were happening at the time, right? And Sam Cooke, in his personal life, um, had had a number of instances that happened, but there was one thing that happened to him specifically that inspired him to write this song. And that was he was traveling with his family and had made a reservation at a motel in Louisiana. And when they arrived at the hotel, they were not allowed to stay. And um, it was, it was a, a terrible experience for him and for his family. And so he decided that he was gonna write a song about it. He had already been a popular um, songwriter and um, you know, had already been inspiring people. And so he decided that he wanted to write about that. And the song was very quickly picked up uh, by the civil rights movement. Um, and it's had significant staying power. This song was sung at President Obama's inauguration. It has been um, covered more than 500 times by a a huge variety of recording artists um, and has really captured the imagination of a lot of people. And so we, we listened to the song, but I want to read some of these lyrics um, as well as we think about Sam Cooke and the way that he's bringing his personal experience into the song. And he says, I was born by the river in a little tent, and just like the river, I've been running ever since. It's been a long, long time coming 
but I know a change is going to come. Oh, yes, it will. It's been too hard living, but I'm afraid to die because I don't know what's up there beyond the sky. It's been a long, long time coming, but I know a change is going to come. Oh, yes, it will. I go to the movie and I go downtown. Somebody keeps telling me, don't hang around. It's been a long, long time coming, but I know a change is going to come. Oh, yes, it will. Then I go to my brother and I say, brother, help me, please. But he winds up knocking me back down on my knees. Oh, there's been times that I thought I couldn't last for long, but now I think I'm able to carry on. It's been a long, long time coming, but I know that a change is going to come. Oh, yes, it will. So this is a song that's really deeply personal and is also really um, courageous in naming some of the real difficulties that Sam Cooke had experienced in his own life and so many people were experiencing at this time um, in, in the country. And earlier, you know, when we were talking about the prophets, Elijah and Elisha, and really talking about, you know, Jesus, like th what they were doing is they were pointing out things that needed to change. And so they would come and they would talk about this picture of the preferred future, right? When the prophets came and they would say, hey, this is what it looks like to follow God. And these are the problems that I see, right? This is where you need to shift and this is what's wrong and this is the thing that we need to pay attention to. And so when I, when I look at this song, I, I think, you know, there's something bold and prophetic about saying the hard thing. When, you're, when you can name something that's actually really difficult and tricky and needs to be paid attention to. And the thing that's remarkable about this song, too, is that it's not just naming things that are wrong. It is just laced with hope. Because even though there's all of this stuff going on in the background, it's like just at every break, at every stanza, he is just hammering this message of hope that a change is going to come. A change is going to come. It may be a long time coming, but a change is going to come. And so there is this, this um, hopefulness that is in both of these songs. So if we take the two songs, What a Wonderful World and A Change is Gonna Come, and we look at them and we compare them, right? What a Wonderful World looks like that telescope picture, right? It looks like the big overarching theme. It's hopeful and it's beautiful and it inspires us to say, hey, there is this big picture of goodness and life and joy of something that is really wonderful that can be accessed. And a change is going to come, begins to shift the focus a bit, right? Not from just this outward holistic picture, but turns it inward, right? And it names the changes that need to come in order to live into this bigger picture that we see in the other song. And so there's a need for both kinds of viewing in our faith. Right? In every area of our faith, there is a need for us to look outward and to look up and to be inspired by the picture of what is possible. Right? We need Jesus standing in the front of the synagogue, unrolling the scroll and reading to us and telling us that there is possible a world where people are healed and where they are free. And this is what he came to do and this is what he came to bring. And also, we need the introspective version and vision that, that highlights and names what's actually wrong so that we can do something about it, 
right? That's what the prophets were doing. And that's what Jesus is inviting people to do, right? Not just listen to this thing that's happening, but join me in it. There is an invitation, come and follow me. This is the picture of where we're going. This is the freedom and the life that we are come, that I have come to bring. Now come and follow me into something greater, into something more, into this life to the full that he came to bring. Um, you know, most of us, I think, really love the song, What a Wonderful World. Um, my kids, I don't think, had ever heard it. I know my son, he's 13, he had never heard it. And I'm not sure how you make it 13 years without hearing that song. But apparently he did. Um, and I was listening to these songs, you know, this week. And he was like, what's that song? What's that song? And so he added it. And then he started just playing it on repeat over and over and over again. So it just became kind of the soundtrack in our house this whole week. Um, and it was really cool. And I think that there is an attraction to this song for so many of us um, because, like, we all long for that. Right? I don't, I think with very few exceptions that, that people would disagree with wanting this picture of a wonderful world. Right? This is something that we all want, something that we hope for. We want to live in a world where there is no oppression, where there is no poverty. We want to live in a place where, where people are um, living in to, to this, right? Where, where there's not sickness. We don't want racism and we don't want poverty, right? We don't actively want people to have less so that we can have more, right? That's not who we are. We don't want that. We want to live into this wonderful world. And so I think, right, that, that the challenge, though, is that when we shift our focus, right, when we listen to that song and we think, yes, I want that, absolutely, full on, flag in the ground, I long for that, I hope for that, I pray for that, I want to see that happen, and then when we shift the focus inward, that's where it becomes a bit more tricky. When we move from the big picture outside to the inward picture of our own lives. And then the question before us changes. And it's not so much, do you agree with this vision? But instead, are we willing to do the work required to get there? Are we willing to take the steps to actually live into that picture and that vision that's sitting in front of us? You know, in the Bible, the word shalom um, is used a lot, like literally hundreds of times. Um, and, and shalom, in English, when we translate it, it's a Hebrew word, and when we translate it, we use the word peace. Um, but peace in English doesn't quite capture all that shalom means, right? Because shalom is really, it's peace in every way, right? It's, it's this really full picture of, of peace in every aspect of life. And so, um, you know, it's a total sense of well-being. It's prosperity and it's protection. Um, it is the absence of war, but even more than that, it's the flourishing of everyone, where everyone um, is well, right? Where there is security and abundance in God's presence. And so it's, a, it's just this holistic, like, sense of welfare and well-being for all of the people. And, you know, when I hear the song, What a Wonderful World, I think of Shalom. And when I read what Jesus read in the front of the synagogue, I think of shalom. And when I think of my hope for us and for, for the church and for the world, I think of shalom. 
But I think we all know that there are things that get in the way of the shalom and of the flourishing of all people that God came to bring and that Jesus is inviting us to participate in. And so I think one of the questions that I want us to think about, or some of the questions, earlier, in, right before the service, we all meet, like people who are doing the AV and stuff, and I was like, you know, I want to ask these questions and just kind of interrogate these things. And they were like, whoa, interrogate, sounds really serious. I was like, no, no, no. Like, I, want, I think it's important just as people to take stock and just to really reflect and evaluate, you know, like, what do I actually think? How does this actually work? And so that's what I want us to be thinking about this morning, right, to ask ourselves this question of like, if we think about what a wonderful world, and we think about how we long for things to be, and we want it to be good, how do we actually think that's going to happen? Right, like practically, what do we actually think are the steps that it's going to take for those things to be achieved? Right, what does it mean on earth as it is in heaven? right, that we pray so often, right? How do we think that Jesus is going to bring freedom and healing and peace today, right? What does that look like here in Charlotte for us now? And I think, you, you know, you can think about that in your own life. I think if we just look around the room and we'll say, you know, we're it, Right, this, this is how this is going to happen, right? We are the plan. We are the ones that Jesus has entrusted with the message of the hope of the gospel, right? We're the ones who understand something of the love and the goodness of God. And so when we think about, um, you know, the church broadly, I think there is so much hope for us because there is this picture of shalom and there is this amazing thing that God is inviting us into. Um, and so we get to not just think of it separate from ourselves, but to think, hey, I get to participate. I get to actually do something in this. And um, there's a picture of a church that's in um, Selma that I saw and I love this picture just because there's so many people that are gathered like right around this church. And it just really reminds me that there are, you know, there are lots of times when the, the church has not gotten things right, but there are some times when the church has, right? And, and where the people who are followers of Jesus insist that everybody is treated as someone who's loved, as someone who was created and loved by God. And so there's these you know, this, this beautiful history of the people of God who are insisting that we love like God loves. And so I think that, you know, the church and the people of Jesus have been at the heart of so many conversations and movements and ways forward of saying, hey, let's move into flourishing of all people. Let's live into this idea of shalom. Um, and I was getting a little bit lost this week looking and reading some things um, about Methodism. So are a United Methodist Church. And my goodness, we have some amazing liturgies and some, some stuff that's just been written um, over the years. And I was reading some of that as I was considering this question of like, what does it mean to actually respond in this way? And there was um, some of the liturgies that I found, one of them was called, Here I Am, Send Me. And I thought, 
oh, that sounds like an intense liturgy. And so it was this responsive reading, right? And so how that goes is somebody from the front reads it, and then the congregation will read part, and they go back and forth. And it was asking these questions, just like we were saying before, almost like, how is this going to happen, right? How does this shalom work itself out? And so it was asking this question of like, well, who's going to welcome the people of all nations? And the people said, here I am, send me. And who's going to break the bonds of prejudice and oppression? And the response was, here I am, send me. Right? And then it said, who will visit people in the prison? Here I am, send me. And then it said, who's going to advocate for a fair re restorative justice system? And it said, here I am, send me. Like there, it, it kept going. It was, it was long, you guys. And there were a lot of things like that. And I was reading the statements of the bishops over the time. I was looking actually again at our bishop, um, Bishop Carter, who was here at our ribbon cutting and he preached here. Um, some of you probably know him. And he has these initiatives that he's leading. And this year, in 2022, his number one initiative that he has listed on his website um, is, let, let me get it right, Oh, I can't, I'm going to maybe get it wrong. Okay, well, it's, it's the, it is for um, racial justice. And so, oh, I want to read the name of it. One moment. All right, I'm not. Okay, so I can't find it on my paper. Maybe I didn't actually write it down. So well, you can go to the website and look. Okay, so Bishop Carter has like maybe seven initiatives. And the number one thing on there is that he has formed a task force for anti-racism. And actually, it is required for all of the clergy in our area to do this, um, to do this education in anti-racism. And I thought, you know, I'm not sure if, that, if I think that's the best response or not. I don't know, but you know what? I was so glad that there was something there, right? That there was like, hey, there's this, this thing that's happening and we're gonna respond in some way. Because actually, there, you know, there is still stuff that's going on. Um, there's still a lot of people hurting over issues of race in our country, right? I found this other picture of, of it was just in the last few years, of some of the things that were going on. And yet this woman, who's at this protest, and just the weight of the, the, the things that we still carry as a nation. And, and it's not the same as it was in the 60s right now, but this stuff matters, right? And so, so what, here's the thing. I think that every time a vision is put in front of us, we get to ask, what is God calling me to do about it? Every time we have one of those telescope kind of pictures Right? This is what shalom is. This is what Jesus came to do. This is the picture of his ministry. This is the big overarching picture. We may wholeheartedly agree, but then we get to ask the question, Lord, what's your invitation to me in this? Right? What is God calling me to do? What is God calling you to do? And a lot of times we back away from things because we are afraid of making a mess or of getting things wrong or of, of stepping in it and not quite doing it right, right? And we would rather not deal with the discomfort or not deal with the mess that we might make. And so sometimes we don't actually move forward in something that we believe very much in and that we actually would put our flag in the ground and say, yes, I agree with that. Yes, I want that picture of, of the wonderful world, right? And I chose these two songs today. Because I really do believe that we will get to what a wonderful world by embracing that a change is going to come. 
right? This idea of God doing something in me, God doing something in my life and in my story and inviting me to participate in the big story. And when we see those things coming together, we get to see shalom. So this, um, you know, in the story of Jesus reading the scroll, what Jesus wanted was for people to follow him and to show his love in really specific ways. And the people just didn't want to do that. And, and, so, and so they rejected it, right? But I think the invitation for us is the same, right? What are the ways that God wants us to show his love? What's the invitation for us to step into something that would bring shalom, that would bring the flourishing of all people, that would look out for people who are lonely, that would take care of people who are sick, that would care for people who have um, broken hearts, that, that in every way that, that wholeness is lacking, what would it look for, like for us to step into that? And maybe it would look like calling a neighbor for coffee, and maybe it would look like bringing someone a meal, Maybe it would look like deleting or taking down a social media post that we've made that's actually maybe harming or hurting someone, right? I I don't know what it looks like, but I think that we can be courageous to name the hard things and to actually step more fully um, into the story that God is writing for each of us and for all of us. So will you join me in prayer? God, we are really overwhelmed by your love for us. And Lord, we thank you for the different ways that you give us vision to see a big picture of the story that you're writing, of the shalom that you came to bring. Lord, we thank you for standing up in the synagogue and and reading what you were anointed to do, and for inviting us to come and follow you. And so, Lord, we ask that you would help us to do that. Lord, we ask that as we look around and we see the beauty of creation and this wonderful world that you have created, we ask that you would give us the courage to not just stop at looking at the bigness and the beauty of it, but to also turn inward and to say, what are the things that don't fit with this? And where are you inviting me to follow you courageously into this preferred vision of the future? And so, Lord, we ask that you would help us to see those things. We ask that you would give us the courage to follow you boldly into them. And that through that, God, that we really would join you in seeing your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.